Hi, this is Logos Legacy. Today I'm interviewing Elijah Ignatieff, a.k.a. Captain Sweep. Elijah is a podcaster on YouTube and BitChute. He's developed a unique and deep system of divination and more called the Inflow Matrix Operating System and the New Paradigm Toolkit. So, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, Nick. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, yeah. So, what is that chart behind you about? Okay. Uh, this is called the Five Communication Spaces Map. And it's at the sort of uh, the core of the work that I've been working with in, in using conceptual maps to sort of chart out new territories. And what this does is it, it shows the connection between the personal space, the one-on-one -on -one space, the group space, the community space, and the sacred space as five essential boundaries that you're just you, you're you with somebody else, you're you in a, in a smaller group, and then you're you in this larger community that you're part of. And then you can bring in the sacred in whatever way you want, uh, which is sort of different from the different worldviews that have different methodologies, let's say, of bringing in sacred space. But just to acknowledge a sacred space, just in the sort of general uh, foundation of whatever this operating system is. So I noticed in each corner, you've got group space, personal space, community space, one-on-one -on -one space, and you've got sacred space in the middle. Yeah. Um, why is that? Well, I mean, you could have on this side is the individual, on this side is the group. You could have inner here and outer here. So it divides it into the four quadrants that uh, Ken Wilber uses within his integral theory and quadrant theory. So the main distinction in sort of consciousness studies is the relationship between the individual and the group. And then in his integral theory, every jump in a level of consciousness, you sort of go from individual to group individual to group individual to group and that's how sort of levels of consciousness uh, are distinguished is and this so, a non-dualistic idea of individual and group it depends i mean you can have polarity or dualism almost in anything um, i'm not sure if this would qualify as being strictly non-dualistic uh, because i think you have to incorporate it within everything uh, but that's just my own particular, I guess, take on things. It could be that it's like a, I don't know, like a, a spiraling field going up. And so maybe no. you swing from one aspect to another. And so it is, you get the duality, but all within a unity. Yeah. I mean, it, it, again, it depends on your own sort of philosophy on, and where you are at sort of on the ladder sometimes. And from that perspective, it depends, you know, uh, of what you're looking at. So are you talking about spiral dynamics? Yes. I mean, uh, partially. I mean, the there's lots of different sort of models that can be used. Here's one by Carl Kalman that's a different kind of uh, background foundation that... Uh, I, I think is at the basis of what we're going through right now. Um, but it depends. I mean, just there's so many different mental models. What I've been doing is sort of playing with uh, models and time and mainly from the point of view of circles versus squares. 
And so this is here the main background structure and the operating system called the time translator. And here we have nine cycles of time. We have your lifetime, your year, your lunar cycle, your daily cycle, and then the middle of your seasonal. And that's sort of like the switch point because in, in a whole year, everything is specifically sort of focused around the seasons moving. And then you, in the inside, you have hours and minutes, present moment and timelessness. And so here might be where your non-dual point of view could be uh, timelessness and sort of going beyond duality, going to higher levels of consciousness. And so what this model does is it brings together cycles of time and levels of consciousness in one model. And I, I haven't seen that before. Yeah, it is pretty interesting. Um... Though one could criticize it, perhaps, by asking, isn't this just like an abstraction that distracts us from the experience of, on a practical level, of mysticism? Well, I mean, most mystical worldviews at its core has some sort of mental model operating system like the like the Kabbalah has the tree of life. The First Nations has the, um, the medicine wheel. So usually in most spiritual traditions, they're integrating the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual together. And so mental is usually the way that you're framing the knowledge and how you're using your mind. And so this does take into account all those things is it like a signpost albeit a complex one a signpost yeah is it like um, i would say it's more of a map of the territory and oh, it, oh. It, it's like have you ever used a linux operating system that's in like a disk and then you have a windows operating system and you you put in linux and all of a sudden there's a new operating system haven't but i can picture it I mean, it's, it's sort of like, you know, you have a file folder system in, in your computer and you access it through Windows. But by bringing in a new operating system, the file folders, your, your memory, your subconscious are all, is the same, but you're, you're creating a new way of sort of distinguishing all the different parts within you. So it is meant to be a business thinking system. Like it can be custom designed for anything, but... <clears throat> what I saw was what's missing is a sort of a holistic ethical based business system. And one thing you can do with this is you can program it with values and create a value system. Let me just bring that up for you. Where that's not it. Is it like a way? So it's a map, and in life we navigate within and without at the same time. So I suppose maybe it's just like, based on the map you've got, that all the... How we consciously understand the world will determine how we navigate it, right? So it's a tool to aid us in that the journey of life yeah I, I mean what there's so many different mental models out there and so the we're going towards i think a more holistic integrated system hmm. 
in terms of like, if you look at all the different info techs that are used, there's, there's so many of them. And for most people, it can be overwhelming because how do you organize your business with all these little apps and how do you connect them together into one system? And then how do you connect that together in your file folder system, your computer? And how do you connect that together with your business system? Right. It's a lot. And why so, is this so much of it? Well, I mean, we live in a complex world. We also are living in a, in a, a transformation of software, like software basically runs the, the world now. And because of the rate of a feedback system for like app creation, and because of the, <clears throat> the different sort of tools that are available to make software, we're, we're quickly, you know, we're, we're moving towards the AI world. We're moving towards systems that are controlled by AI. And so in order to sort of keep up, we have to find some methodology to link all the pieces together. And to me, it's a, it's, you have to start with language first. And so what I spent most of my time on was looking at a universal model to organize business. So right behind me is you see nine perspectives, right? We've got research, infrastructure, learning, operations, creativity, synergy, services, marketing, and stewardship with communication in the middle. Now, this matches what I showed you before with the time translator. So research is linked to lifetime. Infrastructure is linked to yearly. Learning is lunar. And operations is daily. Creativity is seasonal. Synergy is hourly. Services is by the minute. Marketing is present moment. And stewardship is timelessness. So this, this is a very unique thing that I've done is link a specific time cycle to a specific function of the business. So when you're dealing with people, <clears throat> let's say your customers, you're dealing with it from a minute to minute point of view. Like if you were my customer, you and I would be speaking right now, right? Or, or going through some sort of process. That's minute to minute. But if I'm looking at the resources for the whole company, I'm looking over a period of a whole year. So it's a different type of thinking when you change the, the, the cycle of time that you're sort of operating in and different people operate better in different situations. So researchers need a lot of time to figure out what they're doing. They're very, let's say, slow and methodical while marketers are present moment, in the moment, always trying to sell. So. Is this something that can be applied to any aspect of life on any level? Um, or in any interaction? Well, it can be. I mean, it depends upon, again, sort of like the, the, the context of what we're looking at. I mean, I've chosen business because business kind of runs the world. And if we need a transformation, to me, we need a transformation in how we do business. And so how we're going to do that is by having a, a way to make a value system based upon this model. So if you look at these green conduits and you see goodness at research and mercy at infrastructure and imitation at learning, life at services, freedom at uh, marketing, authenticity at stewardship, clarity at synergy, innovation at creativity, and I think commitment at operations. The, the, this is a very 
sort of unique value system. Like most companies would not choose mercy at infrastructure. This was done through divination. And then Lori Renton, who ran her company for 10 years on this value system, it, it, it changed the nature of kind of how to create a value system and what divination actually is. I found over the years that over and over again, that random pulls of cards uh, create incredible uh, patterns that sometimes can be better than just consciously choosing them. So, so I mean, how, I've sorry. got a question. So if divination and connecting to the spiritual, perhaps even the energetic side of things, um, if that's what developed the system, if that's where that system is coming from, does that mean that spirit energy is what's really running the world, not business? Well, I mean, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I would say, you know, business thinks it's running the world, but spirit's running the world. But it's hard to say because to me, natural laws run the world. Now, spirit may be natural law. Um, and business is run according to man, man-made laws. And the reason we're so out of, out of alignment is because we're not, in, we're not taking into account natural law. We're just taking into account like profit and, and other values that make the system sort of wanky uh, because there, there's such a inordinate amount of emphasis on making money, which actually to me doesn't quite coincide with the, the real laws that run the universe. So is this meant to help us realign ourselves and our interaction with nature yes i mean there, there's different different value systems have different sort of inputs and outputs right and so within uh ken wilbur's you know spiral dynamics um let me see if i can get this one map you know there's different levels of like different people are different parts of the spiral like here yeah yeah you know somebody who's like in the domination power consciousness level, they're thinking so much different. They're trying to control, they're trying to dominate the world. And so you could probably look at a small group of, of families or people on the, on the planet that have attained a certain level of control. And so they are operating from a, a very low level of consciousness compared to people, let's say, who are coming in with the new way of thinking. So people in the synergy level or the global vision level, they're thinking at the species level. They're thinking about how to connect and in a, in a nonviolent, peaceful way. Those people are very different from these people who are operating for the domination power level. Or maybe, so it seems that the elites are the elite, so to speak. They seem to maybe they're operating a bit on the blue level as well, but also on a red level. So they seem to be in power but they would be actually lower down in consciousness. So maybe they're not really as powerful as they think. Well, I guess it depends on how you define power. Recently in a book, I saw that power is sort of how aligned you are with the creator's plan. 
Now that's taken into a pan, uh, assumption that there's a creator and taken into assumption that there's some sort of divine plan and that power is linked to it. That's very different from, let's say, someone who's in charge of Amazon and has a great deal of power within their organization in the world because they're so rich. From a materialistic point of view, they have a lot of power, but maybe from a spiritual point of view, it's hard to say. So is your theory, so to speak, is it at the yellow level, would you say? I would think so. I mean, it's probably the main brunt of it, I think, would be the global vision of looking at how do we create systems, new systems for our species that take into account, again, sort of being in alignment with natural law. And I guess one thing about Ken Wilber's model here is the, the level above is supposed to bring it integrate the levels below like they that's what's integral they, theory because it integrates yeah. every aspect yes so supposedly the, the the levels above are bringing in you know the the, the good points of whatever are the levels below hmm. but i guess as a species as we're evolving like we're, we're just kind of coming up with this you know this is not really in the, the minds of the masses yet like Maslow's hierarchy of needs or something. So the, the idea of different levels of consciousness and the idea of it relating between how we feel about being an individual and how we feel about being a group is not quite there yet. I mean, it, it, it is, let's say, in the scholars or the mystics of the world, but the, the, the masses haven't caught up to that kind of idea hmm. yet. Something I've noticed is that it seems to, on the lowest level, um was it the, the instinctive of oh, the survival level yeah yeah on the survival level it it's individualist then people group together as like a tribe for security mm -hmm. and a more animate and animistic then they they actually seek to go beyond that that the bounds of that on their own but in a power domination orientated way but then there's this collective, well, correct me if you disagree, I mean, the collective sort of, we don't want, this idea that the free riders or those who go off on the road causing trouble need to be kind of brought into a collective discipline. So for the greater good of the tribe or whatever, the kingdom or the, the nation, whatever, right? That's blue order but it can be get authoritarian so then again people try to break out from that but instead they're like through hustle and through profit and through and yeah that's what orange is about the achievement success achievement competitive so yeah it's an interesting dynamic then you get this whole i guess you could say a hippie-ish thing of community and ecology and human relations but um, that I mean, each step seems to have its limitations if it's on its own. Then yeah. you get to integrating things together, but it's kind of logical and more individualistic. But then you get things ultimately on a holistic level. Also, do you think maybe it's like alternate between like masculine and feminine in some way? You could add probably a little another polarity in there. Uh, yes. Um, I mean, I guess I'm telling you when I'm interviewing you, but I'll just get these ideas. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, 
that's the thing is by bringing multiple polarities in to sort of distinguish the differences between things. And when you do it at a sort of high level macro level, you sort of see the, the, the you see it. I mean, by bringing in the distinction between individual and group and then feminine and masculine, <clears throat> you know, the individual feminine and the group feminine, the individual masculine and the group masculine. Um, you know, that's, that's a, another model. How do we apply this? How do we go beyond this as a map and actually in our experience of life that we have to feel out, I, I would say, uh, be present with if we really are to get to the next level? Like, I know it's kind of a loaded question, like, but how do we, how do we apply this in a present way? Well, again, I think you got to look at context. Let's say for you, uh, you might be actually having the podcast might be before global vision and synergy level people. Maybe the people who are down at authoritarian and impulse, they don't want to, they, they would just think this is all gobbledygook. Just <laughs> yeah. Talking like hippies about abstract concepts that have no meaning uh, for them. That's true for other people. It may not be. So in your situation, um, that could be your target audience. So that's a practical use of the map from the point of view of you looking at creating a niche podcast. Uh, for me, let's say personally, it could be the same w thing in terms of identifying demographics or groups of people, finding out where they are <clears throat> on the scale, and then coming up with a specific, let's say, remedy or solution for them based upon their language level, and then language your advertising or marketing or your product specific to that group. So I might have eight different product lines related to each one of these where each one of them is getting something different. Because if you truly have a holistic system, it means you can pretty much come up with a remedy for anything, but you just okay. have to custom design it according to the sort of need of the moment and the, the larger context you find yourself in. Can we apply it to inner work or shadow work on a mystical level? Well, I guess you'd have to see in yourself then, you know, let's say in your more personal space, where are you on here? And like, let's say you're here and you're making <clears throat> the jump to the holistic universal, or let's say I'm here and I'm at the, the rules base and I'm just attempting to break free of that and to find success in my own entrepreneurial venture. Um, in that way, again, you've got a map that's sort of showing you this is where I am, this is where I'm going, and this is kind of like where everyone else is. So, in terms are we of like, pardon me, are we just at one level, or are we kind of at a range of different levels in sort of different aspects of ourselves? Well, like my guess is it would probably um, it would probably correspond to our own human development. So, I'm sure that. You know, when I was younger, I was looking at more of my survival as a kid. And then I go to school and I'm thinking about my own security. And then maybe I figure out I have some power dynamics with kids. And then I'm within this authoritarian school system. And so I have elements of my shadow are probably at each level because we probably go through this as we mature. And then we, we probably get stuck at the level of our culture depending upon where we are. And then if we are gonna go beyond that, then that could be more the mystic path. So 
I think you have to look at what, what, what is the sort of primary level of the culture we're in, and then where are we within that culture and our family, because our family could be very advanced or our family. So we need to do the shadow, the collective shadow, not just the individual shadow in order to get past a certain level. Well, I think you have to be able to distinguish, you know, the collective shadow we're all involved in. And sometimes it's affecting us a lot stronger than at other times. And that's important to know with your own shadow work is you, like if, if you're involved in a war, I mean, your shadow work is going to be a lot different than if your country's involved in a pe at the peacetime. You know, you're, you're going to have to be recovering from killing someone or seeing someone blown up. And that's a different type of shadow work than, you know, I, I didn't have friends when I was, I, I was at school. So certain people, let's say if they grew up in Syria, you know, <laughs> they have a lot more in their pain body than we could prop maybe understand here in Canada, depending unless maybe we're First Nations on some reserve or residential school. So how acquainted are you with Eckhart Tolle's work? Because he, he seems to mention the pain body. Other people have as well. Well, I think in every spiritual tradition, they're going to deal with the shadow or the pain body with a different kind of set of languaging, uh, different processes. I mean, I wouldn't say, I mean, I read, I read his books, you know, he, he's had impact. Um, he isn't one of the main people I've studied deeply. Um, so it depends. I mean, he, he sort of, he, he brought spirituality into, into the, the norm in, in, a, in a huge way. So he, I think he's had a huge impact on, on a lot of people. So yourself, how did you, what was your journey within to find spirituality and then to develop this whole system? Well, it started started when I was about 21 and has been going on ever since. And up until then, sort of life didn't seem to have much meaning for me. And I didn't really grow up in a religious house or anything. So I had to sort of find it. Mm -hmm. And so at the beginning, you're seeking. At the beginning, you're looking for something that you don't have because you've heard of it or you, you read in books that someone attained something. And I came across George Gurdjieff. I don't know if you're if you've ever come across him. Yeah. Um, I've actually got his book. I haven't read it yet, though. Beezebub's Tales to His Grandson? or Yeah. Okay, well, that's, that's quite the Bible, isn't it? I mean, that's a, that's a massive piece of work. I mean, he's, 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 again, he's a 21st century, I mean, 20th century mass, spiritual master who brought a lot of the Sufi teachings and the Enneagram and was basically saying, you're all asleep and... You know, he talked about the fourth way, and there was someone yeah. who came after him. I can't remember his name. Well, he had Ostensky or something. Sponsky was a bit of a student. I like John Bennett because John Bennett uh, wrote wrote in a manner that I could sort of understand, and I think he took Gurdjieff's ideas and put them in literary form better than anybody. And let's let's delve into that for a bit because um, I'd like to know more. I, I, I mean, I don't know about my audience, I, but uh, yeah, let, let's, what's, what's up with the, with his work and John the Bennett? fourth way? Well, Gurdjieff. Gurdjieff would start. 
Well, I mean, I, I think, I think that, you know, his main assumption that hum, humans were asleep and if they didn't have some sort of shock or they didn't use conscious effort and intention, they would sort of remain asleep. And just by the very nature of the mind, we get into patterns and the patterns start to reproduce themselves. And then we're always in a pattern and we're not <clears throat> actually present. So it's a, it's a matter of sort of, are you present with your awareness or locked in a pattern? And so what I noticed, this is, I guess, kind of different is, is I noticed that you, you could have different kind of conversation types that I started to sort of codify and came up with about 72 of them, even though I know there's more. And it, to me, is a way of breaking that, that uh, asleepness that we have by being more conscious of how we're communicating with somebody. And so I, I think what Gurdjieff did is he, the, like he brought a, a type of teaching into sort of more of the, the normal awareness because I think the Sufis are like a very advanced spiritual tradition, but it's, it's, it's hidden and their methodologies are hidden. And I think the higher you go in terms of spiritual teaching, the more hidden it has to be because it's so different or so contrary to normal society interactions and habits and ways of being. Is that changing though? And from my perspective, <clears throat> which is, I suppose you could describe it as new age, but it's all mysticism to me. Like that we're in this age of Aquarius now, right? And that there's this awakening happening where there's this energy coming to earth to a greater degree and the collective consciousness is rising, but it's like, almost like birthing pains or like um, we're having to confront the shadow individually and collectively more and more because this awakening is kind of forcing us to, but it, but there's a divine plan and it's all working out for the best. I don't know that, but I guess there's faith, but there is this uh, esoteric or perennial tradition or maybe a cult tradition where those who aren't ready for this knowledge it should be kept away from them perhaps some have abused that in a negative way but perhaps it was for the greater good in some way though maybe those who aren't ready for something just won't really grasp it or accept it or come across it anyway so i'm not really asking a question here but i suppose i i might be challenging the idea that now the the population at large have to have this kept from them because i mean you're looking at this chart here galactic started january 4th 1999 is this based on the mayan calendar at all Yes, this is the this is Carl Kalman's work, but his Universal Co-Creation, March eight, two thousand and eleven, which similar to two thousand twelve. Yeah, like this to me is the underlying cycles of 
of consciousness growth. And this maps out consciousness growth. And here, the two things you just pointed out are sort of pointing to the fact that with, but through this worldview model, you're right, there is an awakening. These are higher cycles. People born after these times are gonna be different than people born before. And so there's a lot of, let's say, older people that are caught within the power structure. <clears throat> and that seeking of power is what everything was about, you know, since around 1700. And that type of <clears throat> cycle of consciousness exists and people who are in it have to do a quantum leap to get to the next level. And let's say mystics or people who've been on the spiritual path may get there but it's kind of generational and that as our species evolves and as as we go so higher in the pyramid there are these higher cycles of creation uh, carl kalman called them the nine cycles of creation that yeah. are actually coming from the center of the galaxy as sort of waves of information oh they're, yeah they're, there's they're, actually they're, they've actually detected these waves um of course <laughs> mainstream science doesn't have a new age perspective on it but they talk about the central in in um the new age movement or the law of one and such they talk about this the central sun and the logos and so forth and this like light codes coming from was it sagittarius a or something and that the, the timing is completely synchronized and it arrives in a trans-dimensional way it's quite interesting. And so, yeah, I think, yeah. I think the mind's called the Huneb cube, uh, the, the, the galactic sun, the center point of where all these waves are coming from. You're right through Sagittarius. Fascinating stuff, you know, and this, you know, and Carl Callum's work is, is not that well known. And certainly scientists are not using him as a reference point, but, you know, in a, 100 years, 200 years, perhaps it, it might be, um, depending upon, again, which models do we choose to use as our frameworks for our thinking? Was he using a combination of science and spirituality? You'd have to ask him. I mean, he, he did write a book on psychedelics. So I oh, think he's alive, that, is he? Yeah, he's alive. I, I, you should give him an interview. He's a, <laughs> he's a fascinating guy. Sounds good. Yeah. So how's your podcast going? How's uh, how's how's life in the in the fast lane? Well, not as fast at the moment. I'm starting this year. I've been kind of allowing myself to self to slow down so that I can look inwards at where I'm orientated. Because if I could just keep on steamrolling, doing more and more episodes. However, like, I, it's not about me. I, I would like to be connected and genuinely providing insight. And being some kind of, I don't know, channel or instrument for a higher purpose, right? So... And I've been doing self-inquiry and inner work. And my, my latest change has been 
I've started doing poetry as a sort of a way of journaling. And that is, it's therapeutic. And also I'm allowing myself to slow down my actual how many episodes I have. And there's this, my, e, my spiritual ego is like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm observing the fact that my sense of worth seems to have an attachment to the whole podcast. And so I'm asking myself big questions like, what is this all about? Because like I had low self-esteem before I set this up. I, I started meditating. I had this sort of a series of synchronicities that led me to setting up the podcast. I've been growing quite fast, I would say. Um in inner work, you know, and self-development. Um yeah, but it's um inner work can be a messy process. And sometimes we have to go in new directions. I don't even know where it's headed right now. But we never really know. Sometimes we just pretend we know. And if we're honest, the more honest we are with ourselves, the more we can let the flow guide us. And I guess that's what I'm doing. I, or if, if doing it even exists, it's tuning in to the I am, the, the presence within, to a greater degree, filtering out what isn't me and tuning more into my guides. So that's why I had, I had to allow myself to slow down. Perhaps, I don't think I'm the only one going through this. Are you experiencing anything similar? <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I know I have my own inner process that's quite unique to me. Um, I think anyone who's on the spiritual path is going to be going through quite a lot in terms of their own shadow work and in terms of their own inquiry. Um, I'm wondering, how, how do you choose people? How, how do you choose the people who go on your podcast? That's quite interesting. <laughs> You're interviewing me now, but it's fine. Um, how, do I, how do I choose them? I guess there's a sort of resonance. So I, I look on YouTube. Sometimes it's just people I come across are on social media in some other way, but I come across a content creator, not always a content creator, some of them like Patty, who I've interviewed a number of times. I, I, I got and learned, I, I came across her from, I'm an Aaron Abke's um, Mastered Your Mind course. Um, it's an eight week course, but once you've joined it, you, have, you connect with other people who have done it. And it's just like on a Facebook group. So you, you kind of you don't really stop doing the course. And through things like that, like, you kind of just, I feel like I came to find people in a way where it wasn't just me. There's a higher plan. It's like an aspect of myself, like my higher self or something. It's, it's like guiding me to find people in a way that I don't entirely understand. And yeah, I mean, I, I look on social media and these content creators and I, I find people and I ask them for an interview. Uh, 
it's simple, really. You just ask. How many, um, how many have you done so far? 150 is the number that came to mind, but I don't know exactly. You've done um, probably more. Podcasts. Yeah, I mean, I do solo casts and interviews. I've actually done quite a few, actually. Um, at first, I was just reading from a text, but now I don't do that so much. Have you ever thought to like start to maybe change the nature of the individual interviews and bring in teams, team up people, bring in, look at the people you've done and bring in, look to see who would make an interesting conversation? That is a good idea. You know, I think I've got resistance to, I am, I, um, I think I've been sticking to what I'm used to. That's why I need to look within and pause. I mean, <laughs> that's why I have been pausing, I guess. I mean, it's what not a coincidence that you're telling me this. And what about this? Like do a series of 10, come up with 10 great questions to come up with 10 great questions that you know everyone is very interested in and then invite three people because it's a nice little square and then have them come in, give them each like five minutes each or something and then five minutes again and then have an open discussion and have them answer the questions and have different worldviews, have different people that are, let's say maybe, maybe there could be quite challenging belief systems like they could be quite maybe someone who's jewish someone who's christian someone who's muslim come in and ask them about god ask them about you know the future ask them about what they believe and to have the different worldviews discuss you know what it means so we get a more of a a, a a more broad understanding of the diversity of how people think and then how do they perceive reality and have it right here in front of us Thank you for the challenging suggestion. It's um, it's out of my comfort zone, which is probably, which is probably a good thing. Um, I don't know if I'll do that in particular or not, but I'll certainly take it into account. <clears throat> you know, it reminds me. I was um, the other day. I was just in the taxi, talking to. I was talking to the taxi driver. And I asked him about God. So we were talking about God. It's not normally the sort of conversation you'd have. I don't know, maybe it is, but uh, yeah. And this guy, was a, he seemed to be a traditional Muslim, but he, we seem to agree that there's a core truth to all religions. And that God is challenging us and testing us through what's going on in the world at the moment and always so i know the old me wouldn't have had that conversation and certainly we might look at people who are in organized religion as separate from us if we're into mysticism but that's not true at all um it's all the same thing and what we're all doing is letting go of the 
well, my podcast is about ideology. So letting go of the ideology of the doctrine or the patterns that are just ego. And the more we strip that away, we just see we're all believing in the same thing, just with layers of distortion. What do you think? Um, well, again, I mean, I play with words and, and looking at different ways of structuring language. And so what I've come across is there's an infinite amount of models that can be created. There's an infinite amount of language that can be used, but infographics are starting to have a huge impact. Like look at the difference between you and I right here. I'm framing a conversation. I have a background. I have a logo as now part of my media. This was impossible before. Now in Zoom, you can load a, uh, you can load a video and have it in the background. And to me, you're, you're like old paradigm. You're coming from your, your living room and <laughs> there's no, your framing is, okay, that's, that's where you live. Okay, my framing is more of a conceptual matter in the newosphere. And so it's like, I think we are going to go more and more into the world where we actually understand the kind of conversation we're in through the symbology of whatever we're using to frame our conversations in infotech, such as this. I see what you're saying. And I use... I use things like that in some of my videos where they're more structured and edited. Though, respectfully, I don't entirely agree that it's necessary to do it your way, although I definitely appreciate what you're doing. I actually appreciate it. And I think that it's, but people have different approaches. Personally, I kind of, I get in the flow state and my words are that, tool and people can picture it in their mind um also it may we may not be there yet except for a few people more spiritually quote-unquote advanced but i feel like first we have technology but the next step is psychic connection the more people with open hearts and i'm getting there <laughs> um it's about people with open hearts can if they unlock the third eye and interact you can have integral graphics with the mind's eye this might sound outlandish but many of the much of the technology we have is outlandish and if everything's energy then what about inner technology what do you think of that well I mean, I, I agree that that type of inner technology is part of our sort of evolution and the gene keys kind of point to it in terms of our, the, the gifts and cities that are within our DNA. Uh, that to me would be between people outside of the realm of being seen. The thing about this is other people can see this. Other people can experience whatever we're doing here right now. So the ability to share knowledge is, has reached a high level how well we do that, though, is another question, because I, I think that, again, we're sort of trapped in certain patterns at certain levels, and we don't even know what could be possible. We don't even know how the next technology is going to affect how we communicate. 
And so for me, the idea of bringing together cards that are offline, that can be used with online to coordinate and to integrate online and offline learning, that's what I'm very interested in. Well, I find it interesting. I mean, that's why I decided to interview you. Um, oh, I had something I was going to say. So what happens when you close your eyes like that? Do you go off in some other dimension or does something come in? <laughs> is that your, your way of thinking? What I'm, doing, it, what I'm doing is I'm actually centering myself because sometimes I, I notice myself I'm noticing ego coming in and then I'm like, okay, let, let, let just, it's, it's trying to be, I guess it's a method of being present, I suppose, for a moment. I'm definitely listening when I do that. I just notice what I'm saying when you do that. And it's an interesting feedback mechanism to sort of see someone go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what are they doing? Are they having a fit? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, just, I'm thinking that so your guides or higher powers coming in and saying oh he's off here oh i don't think i get that one oh <laughs> uh, well i but, i'm concerned about i do think there's certainly advantages to use of their technology and computers and ai However, I'm concerned that we might allow ourselves to be sidetracked by the, this artificial stuff that takes us away from nature and ourselves. And that I'm not like anti the technology, but I, I do feel like we can get sucked in. I mean, you know how much people can get sucked into um, funny nice pictures and yes <laughs> things like social media and it could be like a tunnel where you, you've got like you're just going forwards but not either way yeah that'll never, there's never nature happen. out there nah, that'll never happen it won't happen i don't think because i don't think people will truly allow themselves to be led down a path like that by the so-called elites i do think the elites so to speak might be intending that but i think the divine plan is more powerful personally but it, yes <laughs> it might lead us astray though if we're not careful we might slow our, our growth down <laughs> uh forgive me i'm a bit of a brat i just like you know what i've been in some groups where everyone is sitting around with no backgrounds and i'm the only one with background and i i got to admit that a lot of group discussions and zoom can drive me crazy it's just i i i have a thing uh now about it and so i'll sit there with these things and sort of have a feedback mechanism and i know i'm just playing <laughs> and you're doing more no, than that no one ever no. mentions it there's something valuable you're doing because we can get too sucked into being serious and a little bit of rask being a rascal can bring a bit of joy into it because when we're laughing and we're not taking things so seriously we're actually more connected and even i do this i get too sucked into the details and all serious about the theory of it so 
how do you chill out and relax and just sort of get in a more jovial? I don't know. Like, how, how do you how do you connect in like a fun with, way? You mean with people to create? Yeah, I guess with to, people. How do you connect in a fun way? Well, it depends if they have a sense of humor or not. <laughs> depends on, you know. I mean, fun, you can tell that I switched halfway through and I started interviewing you. That to me is a bit of fun because I, I get sort of tired of listening to myself and all my things. And, you know, I want to find out about who I'm talking to. And most of the time, I'm sort of in an interviewer type mode with people. I'm, I'm there to try to help them or figure out what their problem is and then give them a solution. And in a sense, I sort of did that with you of thinking, but of course, other people may not want that solution because uh, usually it's 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 in the form of a challenge and usually in the moment i can sort of sense as you said the comfort zone and then sort of give them a a, a sort of like a a level to hit to aim for and and i and usually it doesn't go over that well but we'll see it depends if they pay you they'll generally do it if they don't pay you then they just think you're being a bit bothersome well in terms of my gene keys Actually, I don't know if it's actually similar to what I do, but apparently one of my gene key aspects, I can't remember which one it is, what it does is, is an aspect of myself where especially is what I, what I do is I've always, I've just, I don't I can't remember which one it is, but it's like people get, people who are an ego just get subconsciously antagonized by me. And it, in a way that, kind of might wake them up but it might bring out their shadow a bit that sounds I, like everybody though <laughs> i was told that by my friend patty anyway i suppose so um i don't know what i can't remember i have discovered gene keys only recently anyway so but what you're doing is um yeah you challenge people but they may they might need it well, I, I might be like you. I may antagonize their ego. I think every everything antagonizes ego at some point. <laughs> it's uh, It depends, I guess. I mean, if you're a challenger, I guess we're both challengers. Uh, then it seems to be our nature to sort of, hey, what about this? What I about think that? it's, I can't remember what it's called, <laughs> but it's one that's the lower aspect of it is force. Then it's... Um, majesty force yeah it's that one it's that one yeah um 34 what's the, the middle level there's the force then there's strength then there's majesty so true strength in my opinion is like an inner strength that isn't imposing on others but rather is it's like strength as a spiritual virtue right whereas like if you're trying to make yourself make others follow your will you're actually acting weak, right? Um, and so what I've, one of the things I have to learn, for example, is to stop trying to, whether, whether it's my words or my mind or in any way, try to make people understand how I see it and recognize that just by being my true self, I can inspire people to come to a higher level. And everyone's gene key has a higher manifestation that's more truly powerful 
and more virtuous, I suppose. And then there's a lower form that's like more egoic, I suppose. What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, it's the shadow, the gift and the Siddhi. And so they're all linked together. And what it does is it gives a, a roadmap of our shadow cells better than anything I've seen out there. But the good side is the flip side is that whatever shadow you may be in, the flip side has a has a, a gift and city superpower element. So it, it sort of it helps to identify where you're at, but also gives you the way out. So I, I, I think gene keys are brilliant, like they're they're. Uh, they're a real new knowledge field that I think will have quite an effect on the species at some point. Yeah, and I don't think it's a coincidence more of these high understandings and these abstract representations that integrate things together, like Ken Wilbers, these are coming to the fore increasingly. That, that, that is happening to me seems to reflect a collective transformation that's ongoing. Mm. I agree. I agree. Like, I mean, just, I mean, I look at my own work and, you know, it's, it's happened over quite a long period of time and that now it's reaching a point where I think it's ready to sort of come into the world where the world's ready. I'm ready. The work's ready. And there's a lot of work involved. There's a lot of failure. There's a lot of dealing with the old paradigm. You're like, usually you're creating something, but it's, you're creating something because you don't like that. And so you want to create something new. But whatever you're creating is generally antagonistic to the old way. And you have to deal with that. How do we integrate the old way while still being new? That's a good question. Um, it and again, it, it depends. I mean, is it a system at a national level? Is it a, a family level thing? Is it an individual level thing? Like everything depends on the context of what we're, we're looking at. May I suggest that perhaps it has to do with knowing yourself understanding accepting yourself and understanding yourself but is it no loving yourself that's it knowing yourself accepting yourself and loving yourself but of course since everyone are is one right that's others as well and so it's the inner work to, but basically you need to do shadow work or inner work and self-inquiry about any shadow aspect that you feel yourself having an oppositional reaction to. And that way you can integrate the opposites. Maybe that's how you rise up the spiral dynamics. And again, that, that's a very sort of individualistic point of view. Um, oh, yeah. I think that a lot of times, let's say you're, you're looking at, well, this is the way the world is. And um, you know, we should do something about this specifically. And the person will go, well, that, that doesn't affect me. I don't, you know, it doesn't really have anything to do with me. And that is, it, they're right, it doesn't. But their particular point of view might be very personal and that's all they think about. And so that's at a certain, let's say, level of consciousness. If you're thinking about the community at large, if you're thinking about the ecosystem, if you're thinking about the species, if you're thinking about higher and higher scopes, you're sort of leaving that, little perspective going into a much broader perspective and that to me is is a jump when we go outside of ourselves into service to the larger whole that we're expanding our mind we're expanding our heart and you know that's just part of the human experience of of growing beyond our own personal shell 
I I agree. Although the thing, I feel like if we focus too much in externally, we might end up projecting onto it. Um, Jordan Peterson talks about cleaning the room. Personally, I feel like a deeper way of seeing what he's saying is that he's saying, sort out your own mind, uh, look within, and it's it's that whole mystical idea of you. You look within, and the outer is a reflection or hologram, holographic projection of the within. So, and and that even that causation is within, and the outside is a world of effects. This is something that, um, what's the guy called? The guy who talks power versus force. That sort of thing. Yeah. So, so my opinion, like. I, I do think, yes, we need to be focused on helping others and serving others, but some people end up going on crusades against others to help while they're internally they're a mess. I mean, that, that's why I like this map, just in terms of, you're right, um, but to me, th these different spaces exist. So let's say you're, you're speaking just about yourself and you're speaking about, you know, your own inner world. That's your personal space that you are involved in. If we are now at the group level and you and I are working together, now we both have to bring our personal spaces into that group space and somehow find some way to work together. And then you, you go into larger community space and it's the same thing, but we have to distinguish the community space from the personal space, the group space from the personal space, because with the group space, we have a shared context. And that's the big jump like that's the thing about being human is like if i'm just talking to you here this is very specific if we added one more person it'd be a very different conversation oh, the more yeah. people we add the more complex the conversation can get so it there's a huge difference between you and i speaking together versus if you and i were in a group with three or four other people we wouldn't have as much time to speak you and i wouldn't have as much connection There'd, there'd be more group patterns. And I, I think that for a lot of people, I tend to disassociate the more people that come into the conversation, I'll turn more into an observer, I'll turn more into a listener, unless I feel like either I'm facilitating the group or I'm meant to teach something. But for the most part, that context does not exist. So I'm just going to listen and observe and see who these other people are. That would be my pattern. But in a one-on-one -on -one space, I'm going to be a lot more dynamic. I'm going to be a lot more uh, asking a lot more questions. I'm going to be maybe stating a lot more about my own sort of uh, worldview. Okay. So, but if we're interacting with one-on-one -on -one or even as a group, we can't, well, we can't control other people. And even those who do kind of sway other people to do it through fear, let's say, but suppose we were going to we're going to be operating on a loving basis and a harmonic basis if we're interacting with someone else if we're going to connect to them and interact with them in a well harmonic way that's constructive we we're responsible for our own conduct so that that does make it it seems to me that it's it flows out from within to one-on-one -on -one and, and the group and then community no 
No. I mean, personally, I actually didn't understand anything you just said. <laughs> okay. Okay. But... So, so, I mean, because there's no context. I mean, you and I are speaking. It's a podcast. We both understand that this is going to last a certain amount of time. We may or may not speak again. Very limited, right? Now, if you and I were involved in a software project and we had something specific, oh, he's got the revelation. <laughs> yes, a revelation came to me. Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious, actually. The sacred space is connected to all of them. So if you really want to connect to everyone, <laughs> well, of course, you need to look within to connect to the sacred space. But for the connect sacred space, you actually connect to the outside through that. That's it. That, you got it. You got it. <laughs> I don't usually get taken the piss out of this much when I interview people, but I like it. <laughs> you, 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 you're funny in terms of uh, when you're watching, I guess it depends because maybe it's a British thing, but when interviewers are sort of lost in their own sort of thing, it's, it's interesting. It's funny. I think it's just, one of my idiosyncrasies or no i didn't i mean i've been out state it just it's a thing about me i guess i don't know well um have you enjoyed this conversation i'll take that I as have. a yes <laughs> i have um i mean it's I reached a point in my own work where I'm kind of, uh, what would you say? I've met a lot of resistance or I've met a lot of disinterest or, or um, and I, I seem to have a pattern of, I show a whole bunch of maps. <laughs> I go through this <laughs> elaborate download. At the end of it, the person's either wide-eyed or they're kind of like, <laughs> they've gone somewhere else. And, and so, I realize I have to do a lot of teaching. I have to sort of, you know, bring forth this work in a certain way. And sometimes I'm just, you know, I, it's, uh, it depends upon the questions. Well, you're not used to seeing questions. people have revelations in front of you. Eh, depends. I mean, I have seen it. I mean, when you are bringing something up to someone they knew, never heard, like the concept of conversation types, I remember bringing it with this young man and he'd never, you know he'd never come across that before and just that there was a healing conversation there was a clearing conversation and he was just like oh my god like dun, 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 dun. so it's it's with you with younger people um, but i really haven't taught it that much so i don't know yet but i i i think the divination aspect is more interesting where people will do a divination like you can do five you want to do a, a process right now yeah, let's go. I mean, I don't think we should go too um, too much longer because I can no, no. let it drag on too long. But this will be yeah. quick. This'll, this'll I mean, be honestly, quick. next time, next time we can definitely focus more on divination because I like using tarot cards and okay. runes. So, okay, so right, right now, and this is anyone who's watching can do this too. Um, write down on ten pieces of paper. Ten. Ten. Uh, I don't have ten pieces of paper right now. Well, you you can rip 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 them up. Take one piece of paper and rip them into ten. Yes. Right. Um, and then on each piece of paper, write a value. Write write your top ten values. 
Oh, I've got these 10 here, I think. 10 values. I don't normally interview people this way. This is new. Right. Um, 10 values. Well, you, you did ask earlier how to be practical with this stuff. So I find this is once you start making <clears throat> your own maps, that's how it starts to get practical. And this is probably the most interesting or funnest part of this whole idea is when you start to divine value systems for specific maps. So this is kind of like the start of the whole process of learning the inflow matrix. Pardon me? Have you done Do much you value work? work? Have you, have you? Uh, what is value work then? I guess like any exercise that has you identify your values to put them in a hierarchy to um Yeah, I've, I've definitely. Them. I mean, I've done Jungian stuff. I've done, I don't know, quite a few things. Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, and I just think of what else? Could be fun, health, inspiration, love, courage, acceptance, awareness. Prudence, temperance. Okay, so how many here? One, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, I've got ten. Okay, so now turn them over so you can't see them. All right. Is, is this going into another part of your comfort zone? <laughs> yeah, this will be interesting. <laughs> okay, and now draw... On another piece of paper, draw this map. Just draw five circles. Oh. Just a little piece of paper. Well, hopefully a bit bigger because you're going to be putting the values on them. So, Five circles overlapping like a Venn diagram? Well, like, like this. Oh, right. And you could write in personal space, one-on-one space, group space, community space, and sacred space. I mean, keep this diagram up so I can kind of, people can picture what they're doing. Sorry. Uh, nope. Thank you for your patience, people. <laughs> no, 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 come back. What's the bottom right one? Sorry, Evil News Network. <laughs> what is the bottom right one? You know it from memory. <laughs> uh, bottom right is oh, one-on-one one -to -one. space. Okay, so I've got group, personal, sacred in the middle, community and one-to-one, -one, and they're cut and connected. Um, yeah. Thanks for your patience, viewer, if you're still here. Um, okay, now write a prime intention for this map. So it could be to improve your communication, to create the greatest podcast ever. To me to tell you what it is. Great, what's that? this map is has a start date and then it has a central intention so write down what that central intention is yeah did i tell you did yeah presence <laughs> presence yeah that's it well just one word connects the, the connection to to be more present with people present what presence with others well, I mean, on this diagram, it would apply in every sphere. Okay, I'm. Yeah, I, I usually look at them as a sentence. Okay, I'll I tell you what. Connection is what it. came to mind. Okay. 
to greater present connection. connection. I'll, con I'll combine it. Present connection. Ah, excellent. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Very good. So now shuffle the car, shuffle the, the things around and then hold the intention and then place one, one on top of each of the spaces. Oh, okay. Uh, what have we got here? Oh, this one's blank. I need to pick up another one. Oh, this one's okay, also blank. So uh, there you go. I've got one. Then we right. need a, dr a drum roll and turn over the personal space value. Oh, I've turned them all over by now. Oh, you did? Jesus. Do me to, okay. I do me to not know what they are yet. Or do okay, I tell me what you it? got at the personal space? I didn't really take it in much. Personal is unity. Unity, nice. Excellent. Okay, what's at the one-on-one? -on -one? Um, creativity. Creativity, lovely. Okay, what's at the group space? Inspiration. Inspiration, lovely. And what's a community space? Community, understanding. And a sacred space? Strength. So, how's that feel? What do you think? Well, being united within is a great start. I mean, that, that's how you have unconditional love in the first place, I would say. Um, it's the opposite of disassociation. Um, if, if you bring that to the table, suppose you're connecting to other people who have that, then there'll be people will be bouncing ideas off each other and getting inspiration, and they'll be connected to something higher. Um, and also, I mean, like if you've got like sacred strength, and people are connecting on that basis, that's great. Um, community level, then people understand each other and higher things. And um, on a one to one level, then maybe you can create things, be more creative with other people and your interaction with them. So, and also when we can recreate new things as creators, we can manifest on a one-to-one -one basis, I guess. Uh, yeah. So basically, but you could say, I mean, it starts within with the unity or but maybe it starts by, I don't know where it starts. Maybe it does. It, maybe it's all of these things at once. Oh, it, it might be one moment and a circle encompassing all five. And thus begins the madness of learning the inflow matrix. <laughs> so you can do it in anything. Are you trying to do a, a villain laugh there? I've got twenty twenty two as my time right now. Okay. So. Um. Well, this is interesting because the listener or the viewer, they, they, you've done this as well, or maybe you haven't. But if you have, I mean, you've got your own uh, divination. You've done divination. Well done. <laughs> You're a channeler. <laughs> I, I don't know. 
but no seriously i mean like it's pretty neat uh thank you um this is a pretty unique interview and you've challenged me and i'd like to interview you again i'd love to i'd love to we could do another map um you could see how this integrates see perhaps maybe how this affects your podcast um this sort of does open up i think uh a world of new learning as you really learn the value of unity and personal space and you really learn the value of creativity in one-on-one space like how do you create with other people will, will be the main thing you're looking at right and maybe your podcast will be more co-creative rather than an interview maybe you'll do group podcasts where everyone's inspired like it's uh hard to say how this will come about yeah well in any case i hope you enjoyed yourself um viewer or listener Depends where you're hearing or where you're watching this. So, um, yeah, have a great day and bye for now.